Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. sort of out here on the beach, just kind of hanging out, minding our own business, enjoying the vacation. And then all of a sudden, everybody started getting these alerts to their phones saying, this is not a drill. Seek shelter immediately. A ballistic missile is heading toward Hawaii. So immediately, everybody's turning to each other, asking questions, wondering what is going on. Some of us took to Twitter right away to see if we could get some answers. And really, all you would see is um, thousands of people living here in Hawaii wanting answers and getting nothing. At that point, the lifeguards on the beach then also started making announcements telling everybody to go and seek shelter. Now, I'll just flip this around right here. This is the beach that we're at, and you can see there aren't really a lot of people on here. Normally around this time, there are way more. It's packed with people and umbrellas, and really this is uh, probably a result of the alert that came through here. So an alert, as we showed it to our audience at home, saying that there was an incoming missile, that people should take an immediate shelter. But again, this was a false alarm. This has just happened. It wasn't real. It was a false alarm. I imagine a lot of tough questions will be asked next. And that's going to be where Keenum's going to try to work the ball on the boundary. steps into it. And as I said, a terrific defense in Philadelphia. And the skull chant led by the new hero, Case Keenum. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 15th of January, year of our Lord, 2018. And that's our leadoff. First and foremost, what a game that was. I hate the Vikings, as everybody knows. Not into the Vikings, but that was an amazing ending. Uh, Got to give them credit for that. They never quit, and they won that game. And then, of course, there's that screw-up in Hawaii that leads off our show. Somebody pushed the wrong button. People freaked out. Politics automatically came on board. Tulsi Gabbard, over a million Hawaiian people were faced with immediate reality. I have 15 minutes to find a place to take shelter. Wondering what, where do, where do I go? What shelter is going to protect me and my family from bomb? But there's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. Understand, this has nothing to do with anything. It was a local screw up. Task and purpose broke it down on how it's done, but it's a regular checkup. The FCC is investigating. The guy wasn't fired. He was moved. But, of course, Tulsi Gabbard blamed Trump. Jim Carrey, I woke up this morning in Hawaii with 10 minutes to live. It was a false alarm, but a real psychic warning. If we allow this one-man Gamora and his corrupt Republican Congress to continue alienating the world, we are headed for suffering beyond imagination. Somebody said, now shut up and dance, monkey. It was between a mushroom cloud or listening to Jim Carrey. I'll take the cloud, others said. Large rant, not going to read it, from Jamie Lee Curtis. People dogging her like, what is wrong with you? 
How could you blame Trump on this? Other people. My daughter is in Hawaii right now. See message I received a little while ago. If anything happens to her, I'll forever blame Barack Obama and his lip-wristed, bow-down, and apologized policy. To Tulsi Gabbard, our leaders have failed us. Donald Trump is taking too long. He's not taking this threat seriously. New York Times, false alarm adds to real alarm about Trump's nuclear risk. Joy Reid, okay, what just happened in Hawaii via the mistake of the U.S. Pacific Command is terrifying, especially now, my God. An hour later, correction, this is apparently not an issue with the Pacific Clan, it was a system failure, but she never, ever deleted it, and once again, 8,700 likes, 21,000 retweets. She blamed him. Blaming him. Tulsi Gabbard backed it up on MSNBC with threatening Kim Jong-un with preventing military action that determines the dipl- diplomatic discussions underway between North and South Korea. It time, it's time for us to drop the regime change playbook and join our allies and advertising adversaries and negotiating table. That's what she said. Ruin sums up my rebuttal to this. Where were these people when Obama, GWB, Clinton, Bush, Reagan, all the way down the line were all pussyfooting around North Korea? If we remember correctly, Clinton fixed this. Do you remember? Do you remember? There's even videos of people putting their kids into storm shelters. Just losing their minds. Just losing their minds. And blaming Trump. You have so much stuff to dog Trump for. You blame him for somebody making a mistake on a warning? It was a mistake. What you should be pissed off, it took 38 minutes to get the word out that this wasn't real. That has nothing to do with Trump. That has to do with Hawaii, a Democrat state. Obama's state. But no, it's Trump. Because that's how they act. It's Obama. Obama is awesome. He's a god. Everything in the world, Trump fault. Can't get a good burger, Burger King, Trump fault. And before we close the loop and get on in to some crazy shit that happened, it is cold as fuck out. I'm getting a second round of snow tonight here in good old Tennessee. And we keep covering all these weird explanations for why there's still global climate warming change, or whatever they're calling it. Listen to this shit from the Washington Post. The Washington Post says that in a fast-warming world, the recent cold wave was exceptionally weird. Scientists say the recent crushing cold will become increasingly rare. They say that given how much the climate has warmed, the cold blast was 15 times less likely than it would have been 100 years ago. False. False. That's true or false? Well, I, true. 
can't be this fucking stupid. I'm sorry, you guys aren't stupid. I just say what. So that starts off Saturday Night Live. What did it start it off? It was one of the skits, and he actually said fuck on air. I did not hear anybody lose their mind. It's not the first time it's happened. But somehow, we still got the shithole. The shithole won't stop. We have that group again who is running around with their projectors, thinking they're all cool, projecting stuff on the College World Series, projecting stuff now on Trump Tower, and saying it's a shithole. We already played all the crazy replies and all the shithole stuff on CNN, repeating it a million times. But they even had a Chiron that said, Collins rips Trump's shithole. That was actually something they put up. <laughs> I don't think they thought that through. But it's actually a Chiron. There's a meme on Twitter with them using it so much, they don't even think when they're using it. Then to make matters worse, and I got this from that piece of shit, Bette Midler, um, they're going around to Trump properties and giving it one-star one ratings. This is how petty the left is. John D. from Milwaukee, a real shithole, and had the M. Ambiance of white privilege and smacked of racism and treason. Another one, Jennifer H. from San Francisco. Man, this place is so bigly tremendous. Just kidding. It's a shithole full of deplorables. That, I can tell you, sad. Gabe G. from Los Angeles. This is a real shithole. The food is a tad above garbage. Lots of Russians there and place stinks of treason. That's how petty they are. But remember, this came from Dick Durbin. Report, Dick Durbin has a history of lying about private White House meetings. And they go down and show. In 2013, he was proven to lie. 2014, he was proven to lie. Back under Bush, he was proven to lie. And Trump outright has said he did not say it. I don't see why he'd lie, since most of the Democrats and Republicans are in the room. Lindsey Graham said he didn't remember hearing him say it. He said derogatory things about those company, countries, but he didn't call them shitholes even though we've established on the show, they are shitholes, terrible countries. Haiti's a clusterfuck because the Clintons, media doesn't want to report that. They want to go on shithole over and over. They're so into this because Russia's not working. Law professor sees path to impeachment from Trump's shithole country's comments. And what he said, in my view, a constitutional conscientious legislator concluded that a demonstrated pattern of racist conduct by a president constitute a high crime or misdemeanor. An offense against the spirit animating the reconstruction amendments is just as much an anti-constitutional political offense as offense against separations of power or any other constitutional principles. The best case for the Johnson impeachment wasn't his violation of Tenure of Office Act per se, but rather his wholesale attempt to thwart congressional reconstruction. Trump appears to be attempting to unravel our second attempt at reconstruction, the one began in earnest in the 60s. The claim is simply that if members of Congress were inclined to so determine whether now or in 2019 or whatever, in my view, they could do this in good faith. Neon taser. In my view, a horse with a Bavarian sausage hot glued to its forehead could be reasonably called a unicorn. And he's dead right. 
You can't impeach the president just because you don't like him and because somebody said he said shithole and he denies he said shithole and nobody else could corroborate that he said shithole. But the media is never going to let this go. Russia's not working for him. It's not working. Here is their still continual clinging to one comment. This afternoon, he was meeting with lawmakers to discuss immigration policy. Several of these lawmakers suggested lifting restrictions for immigrants from Haiti, El Salvador, and various African countries. Trump reportedly said, Why are we having all these people from whole countries come here? Wow. Sir, they're not whole countries. For one, Donald Trump isn't their president. But the president didn't just complain, he offered an alternative. He thinks the United States should instead bring more people from countries like Norway. You know what I'm saying? Norwegian people. You catch my drift, people with blonde hair who need a lot of sunscreen. You get what I'm saying? I'm saying I'm a racist. Are you getting that part? Is this, is this on? Put that aside for a moment, Joe, but just your first reaction to the president's alleged comments. Well, of course, there are so many reactions. First of all, uh, this was a president. First of all, it's just so deeply offensive. I can't imagine any other president uh, ever serving in that office, making uh, such derogatory comments. First of all, because they're morally, uh, they're they're immoral, they're, they're insensitive. Uh, they undercut allies, important allies, and, and so it just, it's beyond the pale. But secondly, um, politically, uh, if, if, if you are working inside the White House and your goal is to try to prove that this is a rational, sane president, that this is not a president who's lost his step mentally, if this is not a president in the early stages of dementia, uh, that, that, that can't control some of the things that, that he blurts out of his mouth. This comes at a particularly bad time, certainly following all the revelations of the Wolf book. Um, guys, thank you very much for having this really important conversation. I feel a little lame for yes. getting emotional, but if Phil Mudd, that tough guy from the CIA who can snap a man's neck with his bare hands, if he can get emotional and teary as he was, about all of this, then I guess um, it's uh, <laughs> it's all free game for for all of us. Um, David, Gregory, Allison, it's yeah. your humanity. It's your humanity. It's your humanity. The left is so enraged by this. Molly Hemingway was attacked by Urban Achiever, a liberal pundit on Twitter, I guess. Her tweet, if it's bad to say a word privately, how much worse is it to repeat it like a malfunctioning robot on air 24-7? So he attacks her, and then Jennifer Rubin gets involved. And that you were able to look your kids in the eyes after saying this garbage. I could read all the people attacking her for attacking Molly Hemingway's children, but I want to hit the most important part of this. Jennifer Rubin is a tenured reporter in Washington Post. And she's attacking a conservative reporter, which she's supposed to be, attacking her kids. That's how low they'll stoop. 
And my point is, if shithole is so bad and oh, the children and gird your lorns and oh my God, what are we going to do for the children on playgrounds in America? I think you attacking other people's kids is way worse. Way worse. You're fucking hypocrites. All of you are hypocrites. Obama said all sorts of bad fucking words. He even called Kanye West a jackass. The world replayed that. Thought it was cute. When he curses, it's cute. When everybody else does it, they're unpresidential. You know what's unpresidential, unbecoming of a political party? Records show psych professor who diagnosed Trump lacks license. The person they brought in, Brandy Lee, doesn't even have a license. Yet the entire media establishment ran with, if you look deep, he has mental problems, should be relieved on the 25th, but it's going to look like a coup. And then during the week, they ran out again, Stormy Daniels. The Trump had an affair with a porn star. That went nowhere because Stormy Daniels said, no, it never happened. Ali Vitali. Cohn tells me the rumors have circulated time and again since 2011. President Trump once again vehemently denies this, and so does Stormy Daniels. He also passed on an image showing Stormy Daniels dated January 10th, 2018, denying the rumors of hush money from Trump. But they ran it anywhere. It was all over the media. Because they don't care. Once again, if it rings true, it's true. We learned that with the book. Under Obama, petty things, you don't know where the... I mean, let's go back to the beginning of this this administration. Petty things like they don't know where the, the light switches are. Two scoops of vanilla, everybody else gets one. Twelve Cokes. That was racist with Obama. You're a racist. He said Chicago, you're a racist. Under this president, any rumor you can do... Can roll out. And once again, for new listeners, I don't give a fuck about Trump. I hope Trump goes away in 2020. That's why I voted for him, kinda. I guess in the primary. I don't remember what I fucking voted in the primary. But I voted against Hillary, hoping in 2020 we could get a person that's a real Republican, A, or independent, or anybody that isn't going to take us down identity politics. And as I've said over and over and over and over and over again, the conduct of the media all with the the Democrat talking points is making me more, I will vote for any Republican now. It'll be a long time before I vote for a Democrat. Because this conduct is unbelievable. You can't do this under their presidents. You're un-American. You are ruining the office of the President of the United States. You're insulting it. You're racist, sexist, homophobe, transform, whatever the fuck they are. And yet on our media every week, this piece of fucking shit, which once again I met, was a piece of shit in the riots, and she's still a piece of shit, Maxine Waters. Listen to this fucking shit. Situation from Honduras and Haiti and El Salvador was described. Donald Trump said, Haitians, do we need more Haitians uh, on the question of Africa? He called those nations shitholes. That was exact word used by the president per Lindsey Graham. And then uh, the last bit here, Donald Trump saying, put me down for wanting more Europeans. 
to come for this country. Your thoughts, Congresswoman? Well, you know, I have called him uh, what I know him to be for a long time. Uh, remember some time ago I called him scumbag? Uh, I've called him a racist, deplorable, despicable, uh, added to what others are calling him, a moron, ignorant, on and on and on. The United States of America is represented by the most despicable human being that could possibly ever walk the earth. I don't know when Americans are going to tire of this lying man. Uh, it has been documented that he has told over 2,001 lies since he has been in office. He named calls. He basically a United States congresswoman and basically said she would do anything for a contribution. Talked about, as you know, doing the campaign, grabbing women by their private force. What more do we need to see or hear from this racist man? Not only is he racist, uh, he is an embarrassment uh, for this country. Our allies are quickly moving away from him. What are we waiting for? He is basically bringing this country down. And for all of those Republicans on the other side who stand with him, who claimed to have been patriotic, they are not patriotic. They are weaklings with not the guts to stand up or they join him as racist. And so I, I have known this. Uh, and I've called for his impeachment over and over again. I've been criticized for it, but I don't know what else we need to say about him. I know a lot of people are saying, let's see what Mueller is going to do. Is he going to connect the dots? Well, this man has obstructed justice right before our very eyes. We keep hearing about all of these meetings and connections with the Russians uh, by his family and others. I simply believe that not only has he colluded, and of course he has obstructed justice, but his character is such that the United States and the citizens of this country, rather, should not be willing to tolerate. He's a bad image for our children, and he should be impeached. We should move him out of office. The American citizens who are fed up with him are looking for Congress to take responsibility and do what we must do and impeach him. Get rid of him. Get him out of here. First and foremost, I'm confused. Is Trump literally Hitler or is he worse than Hitler? Because in the last week we've had he's the worst human being on earth. Uh, he's literally Hitler. He's a Mecca Hitler. Uh, somebody joked on this thread, Adolf Hitler could not be reached for comment. Somebody sums it up for me. Do we have to go over this again? Number one evil person on the world was Hitler. Then it was Stalin, Pol Pot, Mao, Idi Amin, Amin H.H. Holmes, all those eugenics people, previous Gannett management, the person that bad reference cost me a job in 1992, and the people behind Kenjack too. That those are the people. She put out a huge statement, pretty much the same thing, ranting, raving. And I want to ask you, when was anybody able to talk like that? Go back to 2008, Sandra. Fluke was a thing. A radio talk show host that called her a slut was lead off in the news. They ran it for a week. He represented the Republican Party. During every election there for after whatever, that doesn't make sense. David Duke says anything. The entire GOP owns it. 
Maxine Water has been pushing for impeachment. Article or 25th Amendment. Pushing for any way to get Trump out. Calls him heinous shit. No Democrats are asked, do you agree with Maxine Waters? Do you think Maxine Waters is out of bounds talking about the President of the United States? You know why they don't ask that? Because they talk that way. I mean, just last week in our last podcast, Don Lemon told all of Americans who voted for Trump are in red states or don't believe in his gay agenda, go fuck yourself, you're a racist. The problem with the whole thing is, when everything's racist, what's racist? People make a comment, that's a shithole. I say it all the time. People say the South's a shithole. Are you racist? There's a lot of black people down here. How is that racist? Oh, there's a lot of black people that live in Haiti. Oh, wow, there's a lot of black people that live in America. There's a lot of black people live in Germany. There's a lot of black people live all over the country. There's black people in the world. They just don't live in America. I heard people trying to string it back to slavery. Black people were thrown in a boat by British people and brought to America. Yet the Baltimore Ravens fucking stood for the God God save the Queen and took a knee for the American flag. You people try to bring history out like Obama does, bashing the Crusades and crazy shit. You can't rewrite it. And he's done nothing outright racist towards African Americans except improve their unemployment rate drastically, historically improved it. Not one media outlet published that. Not one. And it's all over immigration. Well, here's this article. This was from the Washington Times. No, the New York Times. Excuse me, New York Times. Migrants fleeing to Canada learn even liberal nations have limits. They're finding out they can't go across the border. Only 8% of Haitian immigrants have been given asylum in Canada. 40,700 backlogged cases. They're not taking everybody in. Because you know why? Last night, Racine County, Wisconsin Sheriff received a report of an armed man on a Greyhound bus. He was a legal immigrant. He took fucking all the people hostage. They had to talk them the fuck out. Yeah, that happened. That happened. And we've gone over and over. Katie Stengel did a whole show on here about how all the illegal immigrants with their no driver's license and insurance killing people on our streets all the time. The federal government under Obama won't even track it. Won't even track it. So he's a racist because he doesn't want the whole world to come here. All the crooks and everything. This has all been pushed off a premise that he said all Mexicans are rapists and criminals. Never said it. But just like the 17 freaking security agency lie, the media doesn't care. They roll with what they want to roll with because they just don't like the guy. I don't like him either. But under Obama... You were a fucking racist if you dare question the anointed one.
our tweets of the day. This is a real thing. I was just going to play it like I usually do on the segue, but Chelsea Manning is actually running for a seat in Maryland. I want you to understand, under the Obama administration, he was a fucking traitor. Then he decided to chop his cock off, and Obama co said, well, we can't do that, intersectionality and everything, and then he communed his sentence. So he is able to run even though he's a felon. These people have been jerking off, including the media, to this unbelievable campaign ad. I'm Chelsea Manning, and I approve this message. We live in trying times. Times of fear. Of suppression. Of hate. We don't need more or better leaders. We need someone willing to fight. We need to stop asking them to give us our rights. They won't support us. They won't compromise. We need to stop expecting that our systems will somehow fix themselves. We need to actually take the reins of power from them. We need to challenge them at every level. We need to fix this. We don't need them anymore. We can do better. You're damn right we got this. I don't want to insult your intelligence, but let's take it back a notch. How many dystopian visions of America did we hear on Inauguration Day? I did a whole podcast on it. I did a live podcast on it. That's viral. 25,000 listens just on YouTube. Every major liberal media source online is carrying it. Those counts don't count because they're hyperlinked. The guy's a traitor. He's a traitor to the United States of America. And people are jerking off to that. They think it's great. And what's up with that voice? Are you a girl or you're not a girl? Because that doesn't sound like a girl. That sounds like me doing one of my goddamn skits. No, I'm not transphobic. I'm just pointing out the fact. Either all in or not all in there, Chelsea, Bradley, traitor piece of shit. You should have been shot. It was wartime. You are Benedict Arnold. Moving on, Sally Cohn. This is a funny one. Wait for the punchline. Trump is kicking 200,000 Salvadorians out of the United States and forcing them back to gang violence, ravaged imposter disaster zones. Jenna Jameson, you misspelled shithole. (laughs) Another one took it pretty well in what I think of this whole situation. Real Donald Trump is honest, unlike extremist progressives, Democrats who are the modern-day Pharisees who care more about language than reality. That is awesome, but the awesomer one, which isn't a word, shouldn't have been L shithole. (laughs) But our tweet of the day is, I just don't know why this is a thing. But it's a thing because people are fucking stupid. What should Tide Pods be used for? Doing laundry? Nothing else. Eating Tide Pods is a bad idea. We asked our friend, 
Rob Gronkowski to help explain. Rob Gronkowski, for those who don't know, is a fucking beast mode, fucking crazy tight end for the Patriots. I partner with Tide to make sure you know. Tide pods are for laundry, nothing else, because people are eating it. Amy Brown, the replies to this tweet are hilarious, but also I feel really bad for the people at Tide who have been given the job of trying to stop a meme in its tracks. Another one. Gronk is a perfect pitch man for a campaign to keep people from eating laundry detergent pods. Nails the target demographic. But the tweet of the day in this thread. When Rob Gronkowski is the smartest millennial in the room. (laughs) Hey, tweet of the day! To our hate tweets. New York Councilman Yadini's, or whatever the fuck, some fucked up name, took issue with the way NYPD dealt with people who were supposedly protesting for human rights. Actually, it sounds like more they were protesting DACA, but that didn't stop Rodriguez from tweeting melodramatically and slamming the brave men and women in blue. This is not how you treat people who are protesting for human rights. This is not what democracy looks like. We can't call ourselves progressives and pro-immigrant pro-immigrants when the NYPD news is doing chokeholds to us. Injustica! SBA. Yadonis, you're a liar. Tell the people in New York City how you blocked an ambulance or taken a sick man to hospital. Tell them how you resisted lawful orders and injured three members of the NYPD and tried to use your political position to threaten those officers and free yourself, you coward. The ambulance was not transporting a sick person. They were transporting Ravi, who was the head of the new sanctuary in New York City, who was targeted for deportation. They used this dirty trick to confuse people. So you were obstructing the government by knowingly stopping the ambulance from getting through. That's a crime, right? You're a scumbag. Folks like you destroying New York City, a city that voted Republican for 20 years. That's not a progressive city. Even in your sickening, socialism-loving dreams, you need to go to jail. His reply, if you and the other few with racist tendencies are thinking that you are going to shut me down by calling me a liar, coward, or scumbag, it won't happen. We are out here defending human rights who want to, or human beings, excuse me, who want to live with dignity and treat yourself with respect. SBA closes this hateful, hateful banter. You are a liar, coward, and an embarrassment to the city council. Do what you wish, but you can't break the law, and you will not continue to injure members of the NYPD. Ravi Ragbird was a criminal stole from poor people. That's not the person to protect. Shame on you. He was convicted in 2001 of wire fraud. He stole $480,000. $480,000. SBA further went on, make no mistake, we will be in court. We will follow your case so the DA doesn't play politics and surrender to political pressure. You called the commissioner's office, wanted a favor. You are a disgrace to other members of the city council. Do not touch a police officer again. New York City to probe NYPD conduct to rally against activist deportation. As usual, pro-cop de Blasio dumps the NYPD again. Public officials block an ambulance, resist arrest, injure three NYPD cops for convicted felon who steals from poor people, and the NYPD is wrong. And that is a de Blasio. Cops killed, they do nothing about it because he doesn't care. Somewhere in their sick, twisted fucking world, cops are bad, vigilantes are good, 
Immigrants who commit crimes should be let off the hook. American white Caucasians need to be hung. Who's the racist? Well, I know who the left thinks. H&M stores trashed in South Africa. Anti-racism protests, ENCA says. Remember the last podcast? They happened to put a, a black young man in a shirt that says the toughest monkey in the jungle and a white kid in an explorer shirt and somehow another racist. Yeah, these people are out trashing stores and vandalizing in South Africa. Needless to say, it's coming to an H&M near you. I don't know if there's one near me, but whatever. Another one, according to Jeff Bernstein's own Twitter bio, sits on the MF, MSFC board for Georgetown University. And for whatever reason, he wished a hashtag MeToo movement on Ali Beth Stuckey because he thought he, she was insensitive. Guess he was just calling it as he saw it, right? Wishing you a MeToo moment. Maybe then you won't be insensitive. Jeff Bernstein, call it as I see it, passionate about innovation, finance, foreign policy, and political theater, board Georgetown University, MSFS. Allie Beth Buckley, hi Georgetown, someone on your MSFS board just told me he hopes I get sexually harassed or assaulted. Is this the kind of standards your university holds for your advisors? Allie Beth Buckley, Stuckley, then backed up, false. The Me Too movement is a symptom of broken world. She was replying to Karen McCurswicks, who said, The Me Too movement is a symptom of a broken legal system. Well argued. Others said, He's going to get promoted. Once again, that's the hypocrisy of the left. You can say whatever you want to a conservative woman. You get away with it. If all these women who got sexually assaulted and harassed... Well, I don't even need to say this. I don't need a broad struck. Franken. What did the media do to his accuser? She's a conservative. Destroyed her. Called her a slut. She was asking for it. But when it's a liberal, oh, must be taken at their word. And to show the tolerant left, this doesn't go after me too, people. Fans of Fixer Upper, no doubt, have heard that stars Chip and Joanne Gaines have announced they're having a fifth child. That's good news, right? Well, not for Canada CBC News. Kristen Spazizgiak, P-Y-S-Z-C-Z, whatever the fuck. She was online, and she says, because of sentiment so seldom heard in society, that generally celebrate procreation with almost militant cheerfulness. Ryan T. Anderson, idiotic. Procreation has become a global public health concern rather than a personal decision. So when people do irresponsible things like have five children, we absolutely need to be calling them out. That's what she said in her article. Well, having a child of five is very is a very personal choice. It's also a choice that affects everyone and inhabit our planet. So while many people find, might find the backlash unwarranted, it's actually a conversation we need to have in order to challenge our uncritical acceptance of the life fulfillment through procreation story. What the fuck does that even mean? Now as a feminist, I tend to oppose any cultural conversation that involves telling a woman what to do with their body, except when they want to have kids. That's fucking gross. That was me adding that in. But women have long been told they need to have kids to have a meaningful life and they are groomed for the motherhood from a very early age. 
but we don't often hear arguments for alternative motherhood. Women need to be presented with options for fulfilling life that don't involve taking 20 years of their life to care for offsprings. Changing the narrative around motherhood should help to offset some of the cultural conditioning we receive through our lives. This article says, so Chip and Joanne have to be called out for contributing to global public health concern by having a fifth child. Paul Goodaker, just in case you thought it was only the U.S. that is witnessing a mainstreaming of profoundly dehumanizing ideas, read this. Liberal logic. We should all be pro-choice except for when you actually procreate. You should discourage that. While birth rate levels are well below replacement levels, this is propaganda. I call myself out. My wife and I are proud members of the irresponsible. Glad our fifth one granted us membership in such an illustrious club. Another person. Stupid stuff here. Same old population control rubbish. The answer to anyone who talks about surplus population is to ask him or her whether he is a surplus population or if he's not, how he knows he is not. G.K. Chesterson. Congrats to the gains. That's a thing now. So, a woman's right to choose only applies... For abortion. We know this to be true. We're having another woman's march. I guarantee pro-life will not be invited. Not one, not one bit. We don't need your type of people. You're not a real feminist. You live in the patriarchy. Another crazy hateful thing. ABC anchor meditates on how liberal hearts soar over Robert Mueller. Not reading it. It's a book. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. Because he got a dog, Trump. Then Steven Spielberg. Trump administration distorts the truth, offers alternative facts. When they really don't like something, they label it, let's say, fake news, he complained. Or if they don't agree with something, they call it, well, that, you know, we have our own alternative facts. And it just distorts the truth and makes the truth kind of interpretive. I want to break it down first. And he goes in here to Richard Nixon, but I'm, I'm not reading the whole fucking thing. Name one administration, and this is what I tweeted this fucking twit, that ever didn't have alternative facts. Obama spun yarns all day and twice on Saturday. Let's just start with, you can keep your health coverage and your doctor. That's all I need to say. But think about the website. Oh, it's great. Nobody could get on. The rates are going to be low. Nobody's going to get on. It's not a tax. It's a fucking tax. That's just one instance in an eight-year administration. And who started fake news? The left. The left went all up in arms over Hillary Clinton. Her server, how that's just fake. That's not a story. That's just some right-wing propaganda. We played it on the show. I'm not saying that the Trump administration is truthful. I'm not saying the Trump administration doesn't make shit up. I'm saying name a goddamn presidency that didn't make shit up. It's called politics. It's called statistical analysis. You can bring the best shit out. A little nugget out of the worst situation. To Antifa, 
Group proposes law enforcement incineration day. I was going to play a cute bumper with these people are assholes, but we've already established they're fucking assholes. An Antifa student group at the University of Texas, Austin, has proposed that Law Enforcement Appreciation Day be rebranded as Law Enforcement Incineration Day. The group's autonomous student network, Austin, advanced the idea in a tweet that also features an actual photo of a police officer engulfed in flames. Instead of Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, how about Law Enforcement Incineration Day? Didn't we just go over a tweet fight in our last podcast about how BLM and Antifa and all them don't hate on the police? Didn't we? Hmm. Yeah. We are dedicated to complete abolition of all systems of domination and hierarchy. We stand absolutely against white supremacy, settler colonialism, cis-heteropatriarchy. Cis-heteropatriarchy. Sorry, it's just a word they made up. Ableism. The state and capitalism of system which organizes violent and hierarchy relationships between social groups. We see the state as an integral to all form domination. We see police as the extension of this and refuse any negotiation with the cops. It ends with spread anarchy, live communism. ASN Austin seemed to take particular issue with the infographic that was done out by Dennis Prager in America. We're lucky to have police force. We do. The infographic points out that police officers protest, protect citizens by arresting the gang members and kill and rob innocent people. They said, we fixed your graphic on the cops for you, but you feel real lucky being on the right side of the thin blue line. Prager, you put up gangs, arrests, shoot and kill, kill and rob, citizens protect. They put white supremacist capitalism, funded arm, Protect white supremacists, exploit and repress oppressed people, kill and rob them. The police kill and rob them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're a great group. Our mainstream media loves them. Chuck Todd has brought the founder of it on, who wrote the handbook twice. I called him a fucking terrorist sympathizer. He blocked me on fate on Twitter because I was right. He loves this terrorist group. And to close our hate and go into hypocrisy, this is how far Trump derangement syndrome has gone. This is Joy Behar pretty much saying, why would anybody want to come to a fucking America? We want people from Norway. And, sir, just so you know, they don't want you to be their president. They're not coming here for that. That's not why folks from Norway are coming here. No, they don't have to come here. They have free health care. They have sane gun laws there. They have child care. They have free education. Why would they come here uh, to this country? People come here because they're trying to improve their lives, not make it worse. Isn't today an anniversary of Haiti? Yes. The other thing is that it's just every every group that's come here has come from a country for a reason. Like I just said, they're not coming from, you know, Sweden either, you'll notice. Um, my family came from Italy. Here is not because Italy is involved it, and everybody who's been there knows Italy is not on is anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. But 
My family came here because they couldn't find work in Italy, in southern Italy. If you go to the north, if you go to Florence, if you go to Milan, people are doing much better up there. But if you were from my part of Italy, my family, they had no jobs. That's why they came. That's why people come from Haiti, why they come from Nicaragua, why they come from Asia. They can't find work. Hypocrisy! Can I have some of the Queen's waters? Precious waters. Where's that Bill Cosby pill I brought with me? Where's that Bill Cosby pill I brought with me? Yeah, that's Chris Matthews saying, I deeply regret, and, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing. <laughs> that's what he said, he apologized. I deeply regret it, and I'm sorry, because there's no excuse for the terrible comment I made in poor taste during the height of the Bill Cosby headlines. And you heard it, I'm interviewing Hillary, and I need the Bill Cosby pill. There have been payouts, he has been proven to be a sexual Me Too harasser, assaulter. He stays on the air. Yeah. Everybody got Fox got shit can. He stays on the air. Then we have the Women's March. Vogue on Women's March. New abortion t-shirt could should rival pussy hats. It's a 1973 shirt. What is it for? That's when Roe v. Wade. But 30% of the proceeds from the $118 t-shirt goes to NIRH which won its Vogue's full of support. Whenever you're in a country or the world, show your support with a Cool X Pink Prink Shop tease. Available at cool.com and prinkshop.com now. You might see women marching in the head to toe black, though. The color most associated with the women's march is hot pink, thanks to part the pussy hat. But you can also see a lot of bold stripes in the crowds, too, with these shirts. Especially since those signature pussy hats complete with ear cat ears are out of style according to Phobe Hops, founder and president of Women's March. Doesn't sit well with a group of people that feel that they pink pussy hats are either vulgar or they are upset when they might not include trans women, non-binary women, or maybe women whose genitals are not pink. You people are fucking crazy. And Condoleezza Rice... Hashtag me too. Let's not turn women into snowflakes. Let's not turn women into snowflakes. Let's not infantile, infantilize women. She said on the Axe file. To get to a place that men start to think, well, maybe it's just better not to have women around. I've heard a lot of bit of that and it worries me, she told Axelrod. I certainly 
had people suggest that maybe we should just go out and, you know, in a situation in which it was somebody more senior than I, she said, I've never had anyone do anything that I consider assault, but I don't know a woman alive who hasn't had somebody say or do something that was inappropriate, best, and aggressive at worst. I would say to Oprah, when you asked her about Oprah, be sure that you really want to be a politician. None of that got airtime. None of it. None. They ignored it all. Then there's Joy Reid, who's a racist. Said it on the show. Those that are black Trumpers, Katrina Pearson, Paris Denard, and the whole lot, they have zero credibility in the broader black community and speak for no one but themselves. This article asks, zero credibility because they think for themselves and don't support Democrats? Because having a certain skin color automatically means you have to vote for a certain party? Candace Owen, a black person. Joy is now playing the part of plantation supervisor. She thinks she can tell us black people what we must think and who we must be in order to maintain our credibility. Ha, 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 mega. Another black person. Shouldn't all of us speak for ourselves? I'm so tired of this idea that one person speaks for an entire race of people. Notice black people are the only group they expect this from. 2018, wake up. Another, this is the problem with group think. Think Katrina Pearson. Same goes for you. Thank God some black women can think for themselves, act for themselves, and don't rely on the credibility from those who are so full of their own hype to recognize success staring them in the face. You, sad joy, are just a hater. No airtime. None. Didn't make the air one second. Once again, say, if a conservative said something like that, be it black, Latina, gay, trans, and the protected classes, that would make the lead off on NBC Nightly News. They would lead off with it. Who is this person to tell everybody else what they're supposed to think? Do our media mash. MSDNC, Trump's a racist. MSDNC, Trump's a terrorist sympathizer and a danger to blacks. MSDNC, GOP are North Korean soldiers. Yeah. I didn't make that up. Several of his weekend tweets were efforts to change the subject. But one, just two words, America first, reminds us this president's first reflex is to curry favor with his anti-immigration nationalist base. His image of American first, we learned much more clearly in recent days, is an America that welcomes white immigrants from Norway, but not black immigrants or brown immigrants from places the president clearly thinks produce subpar humans. Which, I'm sorry, there is no other way to process this as the debate about whether the president of the United States, who's supposed to be setting an example is racist or a race baiter or just has a horrible dark reflex. Well, this is a real low point for the country and it's a, a real low point for the presidency. Uh, well, Joy, we've been saying this for a long time and this is another reminder. Well, the president is a white supremacist. Uh, we heard in Charlottesville our president is a terrorist sympathizer and our president is a clear and present danger to non-white people in America. It's that simple. 
There's no reason to pretend that that's not what's going on. And what's important about this is not just how his heart feels, because I've never cared about that, and that's not what's important. This manifests in policy. This manifests in judicial policy. This manifests in immigration policy. This manifests in how this administration has dealt with American citizens in Puerto Rico who are dying because they don't consider them to be real Americans. Unless the Democratic Party realizes that this man is an enemy to non-white people in America, and this is not an exaggeration, everything in his rhetoric and policy has said so, we will be in danger as a sovereign nation. We have to recognize that this president has made it abundantly clear since he got into office, he does not want to make a space for non-white people to participate. Yes, there are some people who are not white who are in his administration, but policy-wise and rhetoric-wise, he's made it abundantly clear there is no role for brown, tan, yellow, LGBT people in the future that he wants to create in America. This is not an unknown quantity. Americans knew who they were electing. Right. So is the bigger problem not just Donald Trump? I mean, I mean, you know, self-deportation was Mitt Romney's slogan. This is not new. Right. It's not new, Joy. But again, what it speaks to is, remember, as you were commenting before, there are people in his administration who are happy about this. There are people in his administration who are saying, yes, racist white nationalists in the United States of America are happy to hear this. They're happy to hear this unvarnished commentary that Donald Trump wants to create a white nationalist state, that he wants to make sure that non-white, non-Christian people do not have a role in this country. It cannot be said enough. This is a national security threat. You don't negotiate with people who sympathize with terrorists. And that's what this president is doing. So I think it's really important. Look, I understand wanting to save the students with DACA and lots of other people need to be saved. But people need to recognize that this is not a president you can safely negotiate with. He's not going to stop trying to remove non-white people from this country. And unless the opposition party recognizes that and deals with him as such, he's going to get away with it. Yeah, Mark Box, I'll give you the last one on this. Are Democrats being tough enough on this? I mean, uh, you know, the, your thoughts. People have to recognize who they're dealing with. And look, the emperor does have clothes. They're made off the backs of poor children in other countries that his business ran off of. But we have to recognize that there are other uses for people in this country other than to just be immigrant labor to make things for Donald Trump. We have to recognize that the strength of this country is a multicultural polarity state. He doesn't believe in that, neither does Bannon. And anyone who gives him any space to move forward with that policy is endangering this country. What is the matter? Well, with one, re one reason is there's a lemming behavior by Republicans that we've all noted here that goes beyond any of these moral questions. They seem to be marching in line like North Korean infantrymen. They just do. Um, uh, you know, uh, let's get back to that, Joy. Why do Republicans say yes, sir? Every time Trump says do this, every time the tax bill, everything. Yeah, I know it's interesting because you know there are different ways to look at it, and I agree with uh, with Jennifer. Ben Carson absolutely does not have to be there. He has a career and a reputation that was separate and distinct from Donald Trump. Donald Trump disparaged him during the campaign, and now he's just as sniveling and supine oh. as the rest of them. And all of those African Americans, Trump's uh, sort of black friends that were assembled around him, Daryl Scott answering on his behalf, Katrina Pearson, all these people, they obviously are just grubbing for position and looking for something for themselves. None of them have any credibility with black people. Well, Set them we don't aside. Know. You don't well, know their they're, motive. Well, we know you, know, you just well, know that they're, they're, they're you there. might call them on the Republican side, they're the worst kind of good soldiers. Yeah, well, they're well, anyway. How pathetic is Paul Ryan?
how far he has fallen. When he says it's unfortunate, you know, it's unfortunate when I get a hangnail. It's unfortunate when I get a run in my stockings. This is not unfortunate. This is outrageous. He doesn't care about these moral questions or these uh, these issues of what how we should talk as Americans. I agree with you. There has never been a more single-minded politician than Paul Ryan. He cares only about eviscerating the social safety net, repealing the 20th century, all of the New Deal, the Great Society wants all that gone. And it is true. He is pathetic. I'm betting on the Republicans to be Republicans, Joy. Yeah, they will. The Republicans will <laughs> fall in line. As you said, they're the North Korean for army what? marching behind the cheerleader. <laughs> Every time I see those pictures of that uniformity and regimentation, yeah. I think of the Republican caucus and the... We've done a lot of CNN bashing lately because, you know, CNN sucks. So they have this person on, and, and this is the level we've gone to. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is the level we've gone to. What the president doesn't get about dogs. Among the revelations that have rained down the wake of Michael Wolff's lying book, White House Tell-All, Fire and Fury, the claims and counterclaims, ex- excerpts of the tweets, the book's vicious betrayal of the clueless, childlike president whose co-deers co- are forced to produce daily episodes of short attention span theater, surely saddest is this, the President of the United States, leader of the free world, and famously one of the few petless commanders-in-chief, does not understand how dogs work. This became clear during a particularly frothy late-night tweet storm in which President Trump, in a pretzel twist of rage over the perdiffity of Mr. Wolf and the President's former advisor, Steve Bannon, wrote, Michael Wolf is a total loser, made up stories in order to sell a really boring and untruthful book. He's sloppy Steve Bannon who cried when he got fired and begged for his job. Now sloppy Steve has been dumped like a dog by almost everyone. Too bad. There's a lot going on in that tweet, but in one pungent phrase, dumped like a dog. It's stuck in the dog world's crawl like a sideways sausage. What does being dumped like a dog entail precisely? A popular account at Word Dog summed it up by asking, Do you do you know what a dog is? This is not the first time Mr. Trump has employed canine similes to describe a specially odious opponent, an enemy who has not just vanquished but humiliated to the point that his very humanity is in doubt. I stop there. His humanity is, have you, has anybody even listened to the shit I have fucking been talking about over on this podcast and the horrible things people say? She then goes on to the entire legacy of presidents and dogs. She was brought on CNN. No best friend. What Trump doesn't get about dogs? Jennifer Weiner. And then there's the corrections, where she named other people wrong. Thomas Jefferson did not have pets either. This president had pets either. But how fucking far have you fall off the goddamn ledge when you're dogging the president because he doesn't own a pet? Tweets sum it up. Dogs, really? They've lost it. Oh my God, hurry, another reason to impeach Trump. At least Trump doesn't eat them like Barry. True statement. Oh, for fuck's sakes, I love dogs, but I'm not sure I'd have one if we were I were POTUS. You're busy all day, traveling, campaigning all over the place. It would end up being the White House staff dog more than mine. Another tweet. All right, every single MSM news show should be required to induce a programmer with the theme music from Benny Hill. Put folks in a lot lighter, less lighter Serious, 
frame of mind. The lamestream media has really lost their grip on reality. Who gives a crap about the president having a damn dog or not? This is not why we hired him, what we hired him for. He's doing exactly what he was hired for, and that's to run the country. And more importantly, since it's CNN, this looks like a banana material instead of an apple. I tweeted back to this moron. I have five fucking dogs, three cats, and three exotic birds. I only wanted uh, three of those animals. From Wife Likes Animals. And this is the pettiest shit I've ever seen. There is plenty of shit to criticize President Trump on. But saying shit all when he didn't say it, and whether he has a dog has nothing to do with running the country. This is the penny shit that people went off on anybody who criticized Obama. They've gone on everything now. What he eats, what he drinks, how he sleeps. You people are fucking insane. Which brings us to our stats of the day. Larry Sabato, press pundits have now progressed to flat predictions of dim tsunami in November midterms. Quite possible given Trump, but also premature. Fine to be, fine to be motivated by good polls, but let 2016 be a cautionary tale. Overconfidence about an election 10 months away can be deadly. If you look at WAPO, New York Times, uh, MSDNC, HuffPo, it's a given. It's a given. They're going to win everything. They're going to take 40 seats in the House. That was the latest article I read on Politico. 40. More than a tsunami. They're taking back all power in majority levels. That's what they're saying. These people live in the bubble, they don't realize there is a large population that are actually liking what Trump's doing. There's a small population like all the crazy shit she, he says. But more importantly, next month, which is a stat of the day, 90% of workers likely to see more money in their paycheck. Don't worry, lefties. I got that from CNN. It's just a fact. And as we reported on the last show, they are twisting themselves somehow, some way to say the economy's horrible, the economy's good, but Obama did it, and the tax cut is Armageddon. When all of that's false, Obama's whole structure has been taken away through executive orders. So none of his regular we're deregulating like crazy folks. That's why the economy's proving. So this week Nancy Pelosi came on with this line of argument. Nancy Pelosi isn't the only high ranking Democrat slamming these tax cuts. Watch. This is Armageddon. Uh, this is a very big deal. They're telling us this is their Christmas present. It is a trillion and a half dollars that the Republicans gave away to billionaires and to giant corporations. Republicans will rue the day they pass this bill. 
And you can bet Democrats will make sure of that. <laughs> Is he telling us that he doesn't want the economy to succeed with a comment like that? He doesn't want to see the Dow above 25,000? He doesn't want to see unemployment at a record low or wages going up? Are Democrats going to have a tough time defending those kind of statements come Election Day? In terms of the bonus that corporate America received versus the crumbs that they are giving to workers to kind of put the schmooze on is so pathetic. It's so pathetic. Well, I'm not too sure, uh, Trish, whether those more than two million people who've been getting a bonus or a wage hike would say that's pathetic. Um, and, it's, of course, let's not forget that all of this is in addition to the actual tax breaks that will show up in everyone's paycheck or many, many Americans' paychecks starting next month. So more money in people's pockets, more money in the economy. That normally means good times for all, Trish. Back to you. All right. Thank you very much. You heard Nancy Pelosi there, everyone. Crumbs? Crumbs. That's what she thinks an extra thousand dollars in everybody's pocket means for the average Walmart worker. Just crumbs. Come on. Heather Zumaraga finds that to be, well, kind of crummy, right? Kind yeah, of crummy. Yeah, Heather. right. I wish Pelosi would donate that? some of her own money. That's hardly crummy to middle class Americans. Maybe crummy to her. Crumbs. It's just crumbs. But I want to remind you, in 2011 and 2012, an expiration under the Social Security tax loomed. The Obama administration and Democrats embarked on what a $40 means to Americans across the country campaign. The $40 represented the extra money a person making $50,000 per year had been seeing in their bi-weekly paychecks as a result of a temporary tax break, annually totaling roughly $1,000. The administration received testimonials from citizens about how important that extra money was to them and made a case for extending the reduction for making it a permanent one. The thing is, $40 real money for working families, as people all over the country told us. That money buys things like school lunches, gas, need to get to work, visiting ailing relatives, and co-pays for doctors. When all is said and done because they were only able to extend the break for a year, a typical earner avoided paying another 1000 Social Security taxes. Readers should keep watching the Democrats' 2011-2012 effort, and mine as they watch... Pelosi say this bullshit. Yeah. That's how fucking hypocritical the Democratic Party is. I remember that. $40 is so important. But yet now, on average, I read $100 more a month in your paycheck is crumbs. Crumbs. It's nothing burger. But it's just not the Democrats. It's their handlers. New York Times. Walmart could do no right in the eyes of liberal paper and hasn't for a long time. With reporter Mark Michael Barbaro having a particularly long-standing animus towards the company. Friday Business Day fronted Michael Corkley's story. Walmart to increase starting pay. But Corkley, Corkley managed to turn even the liberal pleasing move against the despised company. Walmart, the nation's largest private employer, waded into bumpy waters of partisan politics on Thursday, announcing that it will use some of its savings under the new tax bill to provide wage increases, bonuses, and expand benefits to its hourly workers. The giant retailer will face stiff competition from qualified workers in a tight labor market and pressure from unions to increase wages, and it will raise its minimum starting wage from to 11 from 9. 
It also expanded maternity and family leave benefits and gave bonuses of up to 1000 to eligible employees. But tying its pay increases to the tax break, it expects to receive, as other large companies have done in recent weeks, Walmart provided support for claims by Trump administration and Republicans in Congress that the new tax law will benefit not just the wealthy, but also the working class. So he said, by citing the new tax plan as an impetus for better wages and benefits, the retailers was bound to become a lightning rod in a fiercely ideological debate. Let me distill that down. We've been trying to scare the American people that this is Armageddon. And by you doing this and actually citing like Boeing and Apple and a billion other agencies that we can do a lot with this money because the tax bracket has changed for businesses, you're making us look bad and you're a fucking deplorable. It's fucking... it, It... If it's not one thing, it's the other with progressives. Walmart does what you want them to do, but you hate it because they're doing it to help out Trump or something. Really. Really. And that is the gray lady. Our best and most brightest First Amendment newspaper in the country And they are so partisan that raising minimum wage by two bucks, they still find something to complain about. But our more important stat of the day, and as we go into our music break, we're playing Fleetwood Mac today for the wife who loves Fleetwood Mac. And our first segment, showing how bad bias is in our media establishment. Great interview by Tucker of an editor who was fired for just questioning transgender stuff. Just questioning. Wasn't transphobic. Just questions. And Twitter, on his tweets, and Twitter, and was fired. This is our asshole motherfucker of the day. I'm playing both of them. George Snuffleupagus, on his This Week show, used the death of a soldier... To jab Trump. Now, those that have been with the show a long time know what I think of progressives in the military. They hate us. Low-skilled worker, want the money to give out more abortions. They have never supported a war we fought in, called every war we've ever been in a loss or a quagmire. They hate soldiers. They're spawned from the people that used to throw shit on soldiers and burn draft cards and protest in the street. But I understand you hate Trump. But to use the death of a soldier to get a jab on Trump, you're just a motherfucking asshole. College motherfuckers think y'all run everything. Motherfucker, 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 motherfucker,
Finally this week, in that now infamous Oval Office meeting with President Trump, Senator Lindsey Graham countered Trump's slur with a simple truth. America is an idea, not a race. A truth exemplified by Martin Luther King, who we honor this weekend. And quiet heroes like the young soldier, home on leave two weeks ago, when a fire broke out in the New York apartment building where he was staying among a family with four young children. He got that family to safety. Then rushed back to the flames three more times, saving four more lives. When he went to bring a fifth person out, said his uncle, the fire caught up with him. That soldier's name is Emmanuel Mensah. He came to the United States five years ago from the West African nation of Ghana. He was drawn by the idea of America driven to protect it, and he died saving the lives of his fellow Americans. This week, the Army honored Mensah with the Soldier's Medal, its highest award for valor outside of combat. Private Emmanuel Mensah, African immigrant, American hero. We honor his memory this week. May the commander-in-chief he served remember his story. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole. No. Oh. 
Translated to Fop Podcast is the best. Only you can do my bonus. And listen. Only you can do my bonus. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. All right, that was Songbirds, my wife's favorite song by Fleetwood Mac. I get teary-eyed when I listen to it, so let's just move along. As I said, this was a Tucker Carlson interview, and I play it not to push Tucker Carlson, as I talked before, um, but more importantly, it, it's kind of like a thesis statement on the bias that that we see in our media. We cover a new social media nugget, a lot of crazy shit that comes off college campuses. And we all stare at it and go, what the fuck? What is wrong with these people? Get a goddamn job. But this is the media. This is the media, the Burlington Free Press, and their editor, Dennis Finley. He was fired for just questioning. And I hear all the time, it's a right-wing conspiracy The media isn't biased. We just report. CNN is the pinnacle of apples, no bananas. Washington Post, democracy dies in the dark, yada, yada, yada. Yet, when we started this run with Trump, every news agency said it was good to be reporting again. That's basically surmising what they said. They haven't reported on the home team because Democrats held power for eight years. And other than Clinton putting cigars up Gooch's, we didn't do a lot under Clinton. But they hadn't done a lot since 2007 when Bush was in office. And now we're doing it again. But if social justice is so entrenched in our media that we fire people, for just asking questions. What the fuck are we as the American people supposed to think about the media? When you're so caught up in far left progressive causes that a person just asks a question about a serious identification bill that was going to happen in the state that you no longer have to be male and female. That's a pretty major thing. Very few states have totally bought into the, you get to pick the gender of your kid when you feel like it, when they decide it as a child, or I have the right to put X for my gender. If they actually did a serious poll, you'd find, just like I've said on this show, not that many people are that wrapped up in this shit. Only the clusters of Oregon, Washington, Parts of California, New York are totally wrapped in to the ultra, ultra far left hate of cis normative. Most people aren't there. So listen to this shit. 
Then we're going to go on to another soundbite, which is a Twitter employee literally saying they shadow ban people who are conservative. It couldn't be clearer, and it's not just happening in Silicon Valley. Until this week, Dennis Finley was an editor at the Burlington Free Press in Vermont, but the Gannett media giant unceremoniously fired him this Tuesday after he tweeted questions about a Vermont proposal to create a third gender option for driver's licenses. Why'd they do that? Well, Dennis Finley joins us tonight to answer that question. Dennis, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Tucker. Thanks for having me. So the, the reason I want to talk to you is I was sincerely, I'm not just saying this rhetorically, a little bit confused by your firing since you didn't attack transgendered people. You didn't even attack the idea of a third sex on the driver's licenses from the tweets that I saw. But you asked questions to somebody else on Twitter. I didn't understand how that was out of bounds. Well, I believe Tucker was out of bounds because I didn't agree with it. Uh, I think it's as simple as that. There's a very... There's a powerful uh, contingent of speech police out there. Uh, this is an extremely liberal state, progressive state. And uh, I kind of galvanized them uh, unwittingly. And it went on and on all through the weekend. And they didn't want to stop until they had my head on a platter. And they finally got it on Monday evening. But you say Vermont is liberal, but there's nothing liberal about taking a man's livelihood away because you disagree with him. That's not liberal. That's something else. Well, uh, you'd have to ask them, but I think they think it's a feather in their cap anytime they can get rid of somebody who disagrees with them. I think that's what's going on here. But you're a journalist and have been for a long time and isn't a kind of key tenet of journalism that you get to say what you think is true. The truth is a defense. Truth is a defense. You get to say what is true, but uh, in uh, the age we live in, our companies, a lot of media companies say that we're supposed to be objective, impartial, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I want to ask questions. I want to raise questions and raise issues because I think there are a lot of things going on that we have to ask questions about. And putting a third gender on a, a driver's license is something that I thought we should ask a question about. So someone on Twitter said something to the effect, I think this is great or courageous. And you said, why is it great and courageous? Courageous. Great. Uh, correct. And I really, I, I believe that if I had said, that is great and courageous. Awesome. That's great. I don't think we'd be having this conversation here today, Tucker. So the question really isn't about objectivity. They're not asking you to be objective. They're asking you to toe a very specific line. Of course. They're asking me to toe the line. They're asking me to agree with them. And they're asking me to, uh, they're holding my feet to the fire uh, to, uh, m you know, make sure that the orthodoxy wins out. And this time, uh, you know, they held my feet to the fire until my company said, that that's enough, you're fired. Did, have, do you see this as a trend? It's something that I've begun to notice where big companies have become the heavies for the cultural left. You think of big companies as conservative, but all of a sudden they, they're the ones who seem to be enforcing orthodoxy. Is, is that my imagination? No, I don't think it is. I think big companies, uh, a lot of big media companies are more or less uh, encouraging the left. I believe that they, uh, I don't think that they're objective. I don't believe that they want debate. Uh, I think they want us to, to uh, conform and conform to the prevailing uh, ideology that's out there and the prevailing ideology that's out there is leftists and yeah. when the leftists uh, take you on 
uh, they're big in number, and people are afraid to say anything against them. So uh, they they often win. They they won a little while ago here in Vermont when they shouted Charles Murray off the stage yeah. in Middlebury when he tried to give a speech. Uh, that was on your show. Uh, I know. So yeah, it's hard to disagree with them. Well, uh, or they take your fact, job you away. Can't. And here we are in the middle of the winter, and you're in Vermont, and you got no job. So our, our prayers are with you, Dennis. Good luck. Right. I hope you find right. something. Thank, thank you. Thanks. American Pravda by James O'Keefe. Adventure, betrayal, truth. Pre-order today at AmericanPravdaBook.com. We're trying to get the shitty people on the It's a product thing. Let's say for the pro-Trump thing, and I am anti-Trump. I was like, oh, I, just, I banned this whole account. I'll go to you. And then it's at your discretion. And if you're if you're anti-Trump, you're like, oh, you know what? Mo's right. Let it go. The idea of the shadow ban is that you ban someone, but they don't know they've been banned because they keep posting, but no one sees their content. So they just think that no one's engaging with their content when in reality, no one's seeing it. I, I don't know if Twitter does this anymore. How do you know if it's a lie and not another person? Oh, you use machine learning. You look for Trump or America or any of like 5,000 like keywords to describe a redneck. And then you look and you like parse all the messages, all like the pictures, and then you look for like stuff that matches like that stuff. So is it going to like ban, it essentially ban certain mindsets and or people who could be negative? Yeah. It's not going to ban the mindset. It's going to ban like a way of talking. Do you, you have access to DMs on Twitter? Oh, I, I do. It's a lot of bad press if, if like, you know, people figure out that you're shadow banning them. It's like unethical in, in some way. Yeah, they say, oh, this is pro Trump. You know, I don't want it because, you know, it offends me. That's that. That's it. I ban this whole thing. I'm pretty sure every single employee on Twitter hates Trump. What we can do on our side is actually very terrifying. Our last video exposed Twitter's eagerness to turn over President Trump's direct messages to the Justice Department. We think today's release will help you understand why. Because although Twitter presents itself as politically neutral, its culture behind closed doors is one of blatant censorship, systematic bias, and political targeting. While many suspected this was the case, today we present the proof out of their own Twitter mouths. So probably about 90% anti-Trump? Maybe 99% anti-Trump. It's really hard to decide what to do about Donald Trump. Yeah, half of the people want to ban him, half of the people want to give him. Does everybody at Twitter feel pretty much? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you got to go to Google in order to find the uh, the conservative. What department? Do you I'm in public safety. I do all the policy work for safety policy. I do the. I'm in a controversial team. Oh my god! I'm the team everyone says a lot about. Yeah. Olinda Hassan is a policy manager for Twitter Trust and Safety. Her team is responsible for Twitter's rules and regulations, determining what content is and isn't allowed. Just last month. Trust and Safety updated their policy in an effort to crack down on racism and other forms of hate speech. But how do you keep, like, like my timeline, like, how do you keep certain things off my timeline? So like, we, because people will, like, read We're, we're trying to downrank it, but you need to also have a control of your timeline. I've tried to, like, block people, like, turn of it, stuff like that, and mute, and stuff like that, but they still show up. Yeah. All the time. That's not 
We wondered which people Hassan was referring to. What forms of free speech does Twitter want to stop from showing up? Former content review agent Mo Norai shed some light. Let's say for the pro-Trump thing, and I am anti-Trump. I was like, oh, I just, I banned this whole account. I'll go to you, and then it's at your discretion. And if you're if you're anti-Trump, you're like, oh, you know what, Mo was right. Let it go. Norai's job at Twitter was to review content flagged as harmful, offensive, or in violation of Twitter policy, and ban it if it was. Content review is an integral part of any social media platform, but as Narai describes, it is highly susceptible to abuse. On stuff like that, it was more discretion on your viewpoint. I guess your like how you felt about a particular matter. Oh, so it wasn't automated. It no, was, no, it was a user and services person would yes. deem it pro-Trump and and take it down. For example, if it was the yeah, NFL, this is pro-Trump. You know, I don't want it because you know it offends me. That's that. I say. I banned this whole thing, and then it goes below where you're like, oh, you know. So due to the soundbite being kind of sketchy, here's an article. Watch ex-Twitter employee brag about shadow banning political opinions they don't like. One strategy is the shadow ban, so you have ultimate control, a former employee says Project Veritas. The idea of shadow ban is that you ban someone, but they don't know they've been banned because they keep posting and no one sees their content. So they just think that no one is engaging with their content, when in reality, no one is seeing it. You just sort of turn off all features of them, Vadruvu says. They still see everything. It's all there. You can like it, favor it, or you can like retweet or whatever, but at the end of the day, no one else interacts. No one else sees what you're doing. Vadruvu also worries in the video that news of the tactic would earn Twitter bad press if it ever became public and called it a risk strategy. I definitely know Reddit does this, he adds, but I don't know if Twitter still does. In a conversation at a restaurant on December 1st, another former Twitter engineer, Conrado Miranda, says it's a thing. Miranda explained that one of the filters is sort sort which tweets are seen by its user, minimize some posts written by Trump supporters about users that express conservative ideas. And in another conversation between a Veritas reporter and a Twitter direct messaging engineer, Pranya Singh, which was recorded in San Francisco Bar January 5th, Singh says the U.S. government routinely pressures Twitter to suspend or tamp down the reach of certain people's accounts. When asked why the account belonged to outlaw leaker Julian Assange, who is wanted by Swedish government for sexual assault charge, it's not verified and recently went dark. Scene says it's probably due to the U.S. government pressuring the company. The Twitter engineer also explained that the company frequently uses tools to eliminate bots on accounts that are sympathetic to Trump and have lots of followers with gun crosses or American flag emojis in their bios. Like, who says that? Who talks like that? That's not for sure a bot. Yeah, you look for Trump or America and you have like 5,000 keywords that describes a redneck, he added. Then you look and parse all the messages, all the pictures, and then you look for stuff that matches that stuff. An exchange between Sin and Project Veritas reporter during the 1025-1225 mark, which I edited out, is particularly damning. The engineer explains that the company assigns certain values to certain things people tweet. For example, a tweet mentioning Trump could have an assigned value of 0.5 and a photo of gun could have a assigned value of 1.5. And if the account has a value above an arbitrary set amount, it is determined a bot and it gets deleted. Someone identified a Twitter soft engineer, Steve Pierre, talked to a video about the new secret feature Twitter is working on to censor or stop negative interactions. 
Every single conversation is going to be rated by a machine, and a machine is going to say whether or not it's positive thing or a negative thing. It's not going to ban the mindset. It's going to ban, like, the way of talking. I've said it on the show a bunch of time. Conservatives get blocked. I have personally tweeted. My tweet never went out. Just never went out. It was on certain threads that were anti-progressive. Nothing I said was harmful. Nothing I said was terrible. It just happened. But it's just not Twitter. We talked about Google last podcast, going after conservative groups. Here's another article. Don't be evil. Google is becoming a police state. Google employees are creating their own enclave of mandatory wokeness, but they're not content to keep its ideological policing within their own walls. Yeah. They've adopted a corporate culture of quasi-totalitarian ideological uniformity that is now starting to pose on everything who uses its service, which is, let's face it, pretty much everyone. Google internal culture has been laid bare by the article we covered in, in the the summer. <clears throat> well, okay, da, 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 da. Google internal company systems allowed employees and managers to maintain a block list of other employees with whom they did not wish to interact. For example, if A adds B to her block list, B is not able to look up A in the company directory. Communication with A through the internal instant messages system, view A's contact information or management, or see A's post on internal social media. A and B would not be able to work together constructively on an engineering project if either person blocked the other. Sounds like a great way to do business, not. Peer bonuses that were supposed to reward Google employees for outstanding work performance were also used with management approval to award them for arguing against heterodox political views, while someone... Something called social pecking was used unambiguously in the words of one Google vice president to gang up on dissenters. If you read through a whole complaint, you see what that kind of pecking looks like. And it looks a lot like, well, it looks a lot like angry political tweet complete with people lobbying obscenities at each other over politics. One company in his right mind would encourage his employees to treat each other that way. Well, maybe a company that is not in its right mind. An internal presentation urging sensitivity for employees who are living as plural being, which seems to refer to some kind of multiple personality disorder list, one of the forbidden thoughts. Assumptions that were mentally damaged. Hmm. Yet if you do a sweet tweet, Trump is crazy, comes up a billion times, and they push stuff. It's a wider trend in Silicon Valley toward enforcing political conformity. Commenting on this trend a few years back, and some people were trying to blacklist Silicon Valley Trump supporter Palmer, Lucky, and Peter Thiel. I wrote, the logical conclusion when you think about it is that every company should have a chief political officer in charge of monitoring the ideological deviations of employee. We can now see that Google is doing one better. It has a whole culture of co-worker informing on each other and referring dissent from what the Daymore lawsuit calls crowdsource harassment. I call it self-enforcing police state. Google is a private company can do whatever the fuck it wants, but now it's pushing it out on us with its algorithms, with its recomputing things. The most scary thing about Google for me is I have an Android phone 
every time I'm watching a movie and I go to search, well, I could just use Songbird today. We were watching a TV show on classic albums on Axis TV. Songbird was playing. I typed in Fleetwood. It completed Fleetwood Mac Songbird. I'm not making that up. I truly believe, like Alexis, it listens to us. It knows what we think. And it pushes us to the right think. So now as a conservative in a flyover state as I am, every day I'm assaulted by the media telling me what to think, what to believe, not to believe in God, to kill babies when they're toddlers. And you have Google, Twitter, Facebook doing the very same thing. And this got no airtime. That Twitter is suppressing conservative speech got no airtime on our media. They did the usual, which is they edit stuff incorrectly. That's what they've done for every Project Veritas video, whether it be abortion, CNN, the New York Times, etc. You have Van Jones outright saying it's a bullshit story. He doesn't say he doesn't say it, but it was a non-starter in the media because it was Project Veritas. But you did hear Project Veritas in California getting charged with crimes. We covered that in the summer, even though the Mitt Romney tape was illegally sampled. You can't do that because you're conservative. My point is, we have spent our entire lives being told conservatives, George W. Bush, they're the horrible people. They tell you how to fuck. They force God down your neck. But yet, in the age of Obama... To now, from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade to Target, all you get is groupthink. Mind police out of liberals. And you people keep on questioning why Trump won. Trump was a breath of fresh air for a lot of people in this country. Somebody speaking like we speak. When we're alone and Google's not listening. This would be front page news. All of this. Google, Twitter, everything we just covered. Front page news if we're in a different society. And the sad thing is we used to be in a different society. But with liberals taking over every facet of our society, from the media to our higher learning institutions, brainwashing groupthink has taken over our country. And that's why I do a podcast. That's why I rant. I'm not a deplorable, I don't care if you suck dick, chop your dick off, don't like dicks. I don't care. I don't care if you're a feminazi. I don't care if you're a real Nazi. This is supposed to be America. We're in your home. You can think what you think. But in our world now, hateful shit 
that Nazis would say are being said by our media, telling us to go fuck ourselves. You're all racists. Because I believe a president's racist. Can't have no proof of that. I just believe it. Over the word shithole, which you've now said 4,000 times on CNN. Really think about who is the party telling you how to feel, what to think, what to believe, what to eat, even who to pray to. And I think if you break it down, it's not the brown shirt, totalitarian, xenophobic, deplorable Donald Trump. It's the Democrats. To another music break and news, social media nuggets. To my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can a child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides?
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. But I'm a creep. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble for instance we have right see these girls yeah. no you don't those are women you call them girls and they'll pop your figs save the whales gays in the military now to Military Corner, not going to read it. I ask you to go over to task and purpose. 12 Strong isn't the Afghan movie we deserve, but it's the one we want. Great review of it now, not that they've seen it. Um, it is the real deal. So um, they're even saying it's better than Top Gun, Pearl, anything you've seen. It, it's the best one. Um, I'm really excited. We'll be doing it as a subject when it comes out. Me and the wife are going to go. Get our reserved seats, recline, eat popcorn, and watch 12 Strong. Boeing unveils conceptual hypersonic jet designed to replace the SR-71 Blackbird. It looks a lot like it. It is a five Mach 5 hypersonic badass-looking machine. It's more spacecraft than uh, the SR-71 was. Um, looks like a shuttle from Armageddon. It's pretty cool. Marine Gunny gets Medal of Honor nod for actions in Vietnam. Um, this guy 
is just unbelievable. His name is Canley. He's from Oxford, California. He's 80 years old. In the brutal battle to retake Hugh, Canley Valor, valorious actions and unwavering dedication to his fellow service member is the reason so many men who support the nomination are alive today to testify on his behalf. In his account published last year, Hugh 68, a turning point of the American War in Vietnam, Mark Bowden, author Black Hawk Down about the Battle of Mogadishu, cited Canley's action in the house-to-house fighting more than 30 times. In his statement to Brownlee on MOH recommendation, Canley said, I want to profusely thank Congresswoman Brownlee for continued work to help me with this honor. The credit for this award really should go to all the young Marines in Vietnam who inspired me every day. Most of them didn't receive any recognition, but they were the foundation of every battle in the Vietnam War. Pretty fantastic that he's going to get it this many years later. I've talked about on the show, uh, Sergeant Major retired Tony Cortez, seeing him get a silver star when he was a lerp. And, uh, yeah, uh, those guys, they deserve more recognition than they got because the country didn't give a fuck. And we end it with Chain of Command. Nat Geo's new series explores warm from the talk down. Uh, it looks fantastic. I've watched the trailer. I was going to play it on here, but it doesn't really translate that great. But it goes through... It's going to be first two episodes of the eight-hour series with task and purpose screened ahead of the premiere are laced with moments like this. Commanders and their troops linked by sprawling formations of laptops holding tablets and manning phones where they coordinate airstrikes and monitor suspected enemy combatants. So it's more of a talk thing, um, but it looks like it's going to be really, really good. Um, so I've already DVR'd it. It starts tonight. Um, believe it's 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh so if you're interested in watching, this is the 15th. And if you're listening, it's tonight on Nat Geo. Before we go into our crazy with the crazy music, I'm going to play a soundbite. It is the most disgusting, ridiculously thing, ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's viral, just like Bradley Manning, because we live in really, really stupid times. Hello. I'm Reva Godfrey, and I'm going to show you how to make my Christmas turkey stuffing recipe using only my mouth. I'm sure you know that no good stuffing recipe is complete without the onion, so we're going to start there. You want to finely dice it. Mm. Really, really small pieces is key, so that it cooks quite nicely when it goes in. bit teary. <laughs> I do love cooking. So there we go. There we've finally diced half an onion. What a lovely way to start. We're now going to dice some carrot. So we're looking to uh, go at about half a centimetre along, put it in your mouth, chop it up a bit further and get it out so we're getting nice even pieces. Moving now onto our celery, the green dream. It takes more calories to eat celery than it does that it gives you. Interestingly, I always use the right-hand side of my mouth, but you do what feels more natural to you. It's rather like having a drink, the celery bit. Now time for some aromatic herbs, and I'm going to use fresh parsley. I find flat leaf far sexier than curly, so that's what I'm going to use. So we want to de-stem the parsley. 
and then I'm just going to finely dice a handful. As if by magic, diced partially, perfect. Next, my favourite friend, the garlic. There is nothing better than the smell of garlic for days and weeks. Be aware that the garlic is very, very hard to handle and it really burns your mouth, but it's incredibly good for you. So stay with it and your stuffing will taste the better for it. And there we go. Really hurting my tongue, but you know. Now it's time for our bread, the meatier part of the stuffing. I normally say, if you don't know how to target your bread, go at it like a hamburger. Mm, it's a very good loaf. I always choose the same loaf. Perfectly spherical. No bread knives, no blades. A very, very safe stuffing. It's not traditional to use a lemon, but I don't like to do things traditionally, so I'm going to add some lemon zest and lemon juice. And for safety's sake, I am not going to use a zester. Quite an unusual flavour. Look at these lovely zesty lines. You don't get that with a normal zester at all. And then we're just going to stick our thumb in, wind it in, start to get some of those lovely juices out. And now we're going to bind our stuffing with an egg or two, and I'm going to do the whisking in my mouth. There we go our egg binder. As with any good recipe, we use a lot of butter in our stuffing mix. And I don't have a microwave, so I'm just going to warm the butter with the cosy insides of my mouth. A little salt, some black peppercorn, There we go. All seasoned and ready to stuff our turkey. I've got myself a beautiful turkey. Open up and then retrieve our beautiful stuffing. I can almost hear the Christmas carols now. Just push him in. Beautiful stuffing mix. Absolutely perfect and made in 100% safety. And now for a final little drizzle of oil, and then our bird is ready to cook. So we're just going to massage that in, and we're just going to bring it round and in, and ensure we get a very, very crispy skinned, moist inside bird. Then using your hands, Simply carve up the bird and you're ready to serve. Yeah, I'm still speechless. That's that's a real thing. Tony Turnbull on the viral video that recommends chewing instead of cutting. Cooking with your mouth while using a knife for chopping your carrots is so last year. And they so show a shoe chef, chef, shoe chef, I can never say that. Uh, sh sue chef. There we go. 
chopping up a salad with her grill. No. No. With periods of more no. What the fuck is wrong with you? To our college crazy, UNC Charlotte, Planned Parenthood sponsor new sex week. Yeah, this is Planned Parenthood because they want more abortions. UNC Charlotte's plans, along with outside organizations like Planned Parenthood, is co-sponsoring the school's first ever sex week, featuring events like Fuck Like Your Life Depends On It and Cookies and Condoms. Other events scheduled to the week of February 18th to 23rd include Talk Dirty to Me, billed as a student conversation about sex, and a discussion of the stigma of slut shame. Cookies and Condoms. Come Collect Cookies and Condoms is a traveling event hosted by peer leader, educator, advocating for sexuality education. Please. Stations will be set up for you to explore condom use, from learning their history to putting them on dummy objects. If the NRA sponsored a school week killing terrorists for God, do you think that would go over? Because that's the same thing Planned Parenthood's doing. They are running, get pregnant, we need to make some more money. Because Trump might take our money away. Jesus J. Christ. USC professor includes Israeli Zionist on list of terrorists. David Kang. They're Zionist. Muslim Brotherhood isn't. Moving along, it just speaks for itself. Professor creates checklist for detecting white supremacy. Oh, it's Oregon. I got two Oregon stories today. Linfield College, an English professor, developed checklist which is intended to help individuals determine whether they are white supremacists. Believing mediocrity, meritocracy, excuse me, promoting a collegial environment, even deciding to stay out of all this identity politics are all forms of tacit white supremacy. There are 15 core troubles that she identifies to help other academics recognize your unconscious contributions to white supremacy. The first item on the lengthy list of transgressions is working in a position of power in a predominantly white institution. To change the white supremacist power structure within your departments, committees, and institutional decision-making process. Likewise, another sign of aiding white supremacy is thinking that marginalized colleagues who complain about oppressive work conditions are difficult and saying, I am so sorry this is unbelievable to colleagues and students who claim that they experience microaggressions. The checklist further asserts that wanting to nominate stellar, mostly men, and obviously white colleagues for leadership positions and awards is also a sign of aiding white supremacy. These people have too much time on their hands. Go get a real fucking job. People in the in the middle of the country don't think about this shit all the fucking. They don't have time. Trying to fucking work here. But the other Oregon story, University of Oregon symposium, same concept. What's up with your whiteness? Allyship symposium. What's up with your whiteness? At events for students of any gender who do not identify as Womxn of color. It's M O W X N of color to learn how to best support and be allies to women of color. Yeah. The January 20th event, which is also hosted by UO Coalition of Engagement and Allyship, the Women's Center, and the Division of Equality, 
will guide participants to find their place in conversations about race and systematic injustice by examining our own identities and the systems we are part of in an effort to become more effective allies within our communities. Mmm. I'm signing up today for that shit. That's why I don't live in Oregon. Linfield College story, the checklist, that bullshit, go fuck yourself. Columbia offers course on persistent racism of Trumpism. Not even reading it because we have a billion of these. This is the one I am just angry, angry over. California bill deems abortion a constitutional right. Proposal to require the California public universities and provide access to medicated abortion cleared a major legislative hurdle this week when approved by the Senate Education Committee. Calling abortion a constitutional right, the bill would create a fund to cover the cost of implementing the mandated overseen by a council staff exclusively by abortion advocates. Abortion care is a constitutional right, begins SB 320, which will require every California public university student health care center to offer abortion by medication techniques. Senator Leva's bill is all about abortion, abortion and more abortion, rather than addressing the need that a young woman has. After being further amended to broaden its scope, SB 320 passed the Senate Education Committee and is way on a party line vote, but it's all Democrats, so it's going to happen. The current version of the bill gives all University of California, California State Universities to the tw- January 1st, 2022 to have abortion by medication techniques on the campus, ready to go. They further say, state the state has an interest in ensuring that every pregnant person in California who wants to have an abortion can obtain access to that care. When pregnant young people decide that abortion is the best option for them, having early accessible care can help them stay on track to achieve their educational and aspirational life plans. The key thing, and why I cover this, that's some crazy ass shit. Because the framers of the Bill of Rights, our Constitution, everybody back in 1776 never envisioned abortion. That was not a right. That's number one. Number two, they just fucked up. Because in a bill, they call it medicated abortion. That is that emergency contraception shit, colloquial, that Planned Parenthood pulls the wool over America's eyes, which takes it to 1,051,000, like I'm saying. I have people arguing online that I'm full of shit. Medicated abortion, vacuum cleaner with razor blades, You're still killing a baby. It's being funded by tax dollars. You're all a fucking sham and you're breaking the law. Breaking the law. Yet we're still handing money to them motherfuckers. Chop shopping babies and doing medicated abortions on the American taxpayer's dime. The equivalency is the NRA handing out free ammo. Free ARs to the first hundred people that walk in the door. Yeah, that wouldn't go over too well. Sex change. Transgender sex robots could be coming to a bedroom near you and bosses reveal interest in love droids for any sexual preference. That is a real article. Now the robots aren't male and female. They're transgender. They're programmed to act like a transgender so you can fuck a chick with dicks. Really? Really? 
What the fuck is wrong with everybody? To non-crazy, you fucking people don't get life. Lost in space, questions mount over fate of secret satellite SpaceX pushes ahead. They lost a fucking satellite. That didn't make the news. Hmm. This one did. Passenger jet with 168 people on board skids off icy runway. If you saw the picture of that plane hanging over the goddamn cliff, about to go in the water, and the only thing that saved it was his tires. Oh Lord, that's really scary. That's scary shit right there. I would be shitting my pants, literally. This one's scary too. Black Death, two girls nine years old drop dead as strange eye bleed fever spreads. A new disease is feared to become more deadly than the Black Death that killed thousands in 2017 after killed nine-year-old child. I keep on getting those updates on my virus thing. I signed up for any kind of diseases, outbreaks around you. That one sounds scary. In the crazy section, Wayne Thompson, 50, of Pitkin in Vernon Parish, pled guilty to one count of using use of delay or destruction of mail. He burned 20 tubs of mail. He is a former U.S. Postal Service employee who had a rural route in Elmer Parish, Elm, Elmer and Rapides Parish. Thompson admitted that instead of delivering the mail, he took it home from December 1st until May 1st, 2017, and burned it. He estimated he burned 20 tubs. He could be fined $250,000 and be put in jail for five years. So while he was saying he was delivering the mail, he was actually just burning it. And in the funny, to get us towards something funny for two seconds, because then we have two serious articles uh, to talk about. Women taking their right to go topless to the state's highest court. In a case that pits freedom of expression and equality against public decency, three women are challenging the New Hampshire City Ordinance prohibiting public nudity. Heidi Kilt Lilly, Kia Sinclair, and Ginger Piero were ticketed in 2016 in Laconia after they went topless at Weir's Beach on Memorial Day weekend. Piero was doing yoga while the other two were sunbathing. Some beachgoers complained the police officers asked them to cover up. When they refused, they were arrested. A legal motion to dismiss the case against women was denied. And now they're taking it all the way to the state Supreme Court, saying that it's a constitutional right to be topless. Unlike abortion in my world, even though this is going to sound hashtag me too, I'm all for topless. You want to go topless? Do it. Do it! I'll make the argument for you. Men get to walk around with their shirts off. Why can't we? Go with it. Run off with it. That, of course, was all for jokes. Two serious articles. I'm not, I'm going to paraphrase one of them, but it's really good. It was from uh, <clears throat> The Federalist. How the refusal to tolerate dissent is creating a global backlash against LGBT people. Promoting LGBT preferences abroad is more likely to cause backlash against the very people that are intended to help, besides harming our standing in the world, as recent events showed. They break it down in here that there is becoming a backlash. The political pressure is making people do bad shit because you're telling them how to think, what to think, etc., etc. And under Obama, they did this. The State Department was forced to push this shit, and it had ramifications. It didn't help anybody. Uh, it really kind of comes to the point. Let's worry about 
important shit in the world instead of spreading Islam. They're doing just fine by themselves. It's the world's largest religion, last time I checked. And gay shit. Maybe we should worry about democracy. I don't know. Maybe it's me. And then a second one, which is really, really good. The New York Times needs to get over its white supremacy fetish. New York Times' responsibility to exercise greater discretion rather than publicly racially charged clickbait, like an article arguing white supremacists have an Asian woman fetish. That was an actual article. All right. Within this article, how about providing evidence? There was none. This argument ends in banning interracial marriage. Article like this make everything worse. And he sums it up with, on the um, <clears throat> lucky America is moving forward with or without the times. Interracial marriage is fast, a fast rising trend and leading to broader social tolerance. The percentage of multiracial children born in the United States has increased from one percent in seventy to ten percent in twenty thirteen. The social taboo against racial mixing has begun to fade, and a majority of multiracial Americans are proud of their blended heritage and more open to other cultures. On a final note of optimism, mixed-race people are actually seen as most attractive of all racial types. Thus, if this trend continues, we may soon be able to say objectively that America has the most beautiful people in the world. That's something worth fighting for. This is Crystal Mufio. He's from PBS. And he's a white guy married to an Asian woman. But to say we have a white supremacy problem, once again, as the New York Times, WAPO, HuffPo, and a lot of things with PO on the end want to keep cuddling back on. The reality is, we had a black president that was elected twice. We have interracial people in every city. Nobody gives a fuck. We don't have a white supremacist problem. You can cite Charlottesville and a hundred weirdos running around with fucking tiki lights. And one guy getting scared and killing a white woman, which do you notice you don't hear anything about that anymore because it was exactly what I said it was. And anybody who researched found it wasn't a directed murder of a person. You heard nothing about that. Because it didn't fit their agenda. Their agenda is that most of America is Dylan Roof because Trump's president or something. It's not the case. Even in the South, people have moved the fuck on. But when you have to keep the cottage industry of race baiting and everybody's a racist to win fucking elections, like Obama did for eight years, the media has to keep supporting that party. So they have to keep rolling out, everybody's a racist. Everybody who voted for Trump's a racist, so saith Don Lemon. Okay. Move on, folks. America's moved on. We're not in the 60s anymore, for fuck's sake. It's 2018. We've had a black president. We have black congresspeople. We have black fucking senators, black mayors, black entertainers. Every time the New York Times rolls out, people are white people are in blackface. You just look foolish, because it's not fucking true. To our lighter fare. (laughs) 
Today we have a serious lighter fare. Um, <clears throat> when I was a kid, uh, of course I loved football. I played football. wasn't that good at it, but I, I still played in junior high and high school. And I remember going up there and watching Saturday college football on my TV, and there was this guy named Keith Jackson. And he passed away this week. Um, I believe it was 89, 88 or 89 when it happened. Um, I think it's a, an era that has ended. And that sounds melodramatic, but if you look back to that time, sports reporters reported on sports. Their conversation was about sports, and they stuck to sports. And they were legends. Nowadays, we have the Bob Costas. We have all these political hacks like Keith Oberman that go back and forth between MSDNC and ESPN. And NBC, I guess he was on NBC too. What's the difference? NBC is MSDNC. Um, and they blur the lines. Thus, people get pissed. And this current age of take the knee is more important than score the fucking football, score the fucking touchdown. Um, it's sad to watch a guy like this go. And I tweeted this week that you can tune in to Keith Jackson and learn a little bit about football and a little bit about life. Nobody really retweeted it. When I did the next one, the era of sports reporters just reporting on sports, Keith Jackson could teach you a little bit about football and a little bit about life. It was retweeted a bunch. When I looked at the thread, that was the sentiment. They were legends because they stuck to sports. So for our lighter fare today, I want to play two lead-ins. I believe one's a Michigan-Ohio State game, one's an Alabama-Tennessee. And his last call of a national championship, it was the USC one, um, and say thanks to Keith Jackson. I miss Keith Jackson like I miss Boomer from ESPN now. Um, they were a different era of men, and their reporting and their basically play-by-play just made whatever sport they were calling a little bit better. When the last glow drifts away from the house at Michigan, it's a good time to have a seat. Listen, here, Yost, Kipke, and in your mind's eye, seeds who wore the colors. Harmon, who played his all the way to a Heisman Trophy and got a salvation once at the Horseshoe. And Archie Griffin, the double Heisman man for state, who had his moments. So to remember, players and coaches. There are two coaches who had a special place in this history. Woody and Bo, the pepper of the series. Giants in their profession, their histronics, legendary. And they could win. This is a remarkable festival annually, whether here or at the Horseshoe. They're the great fans. Fight that team across the... Show them Ohio's here. Hail the victors, valiant. Hail to the king heroes. Today, another bounty of... Concluding a hundred years of Buckeye... It is the third... Set.
Saturday in October, and the show is on one more time in Knoxville, Tennessee. One of the premier games in college football about to be played. Nearly 100,000 faithful will huddle today in East Tennessee to shout Roll Tide to the deepest regions of the Smokies and dance the Rocky Top until there is no energy left. Sports College Football presents a CFA matchup from the SEC, Alabama and Tennessee. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to that wonderful old third Saturday in October in eastern Tennessee. It's always fun to come back. They've been doing this for 75 years. And 33 times, Alabama has come into this ball game undefeated. And 13 times have gone home. Whoop. Well, here they come one more time. Undefeated. Ranked number four in the nation at 6-0. and And leading the Eastern Division of the Southeastern Conference with their unblemished record. Tennessee, ranked number 13, lost last week to Arkansas. They're tied with Georgia in the Eastern Division. And these division winners will meet December 5 for the Southeastern Conference Championship. And Bob Greasy, like an old friend of mine once said, this defensive bunch from Alabama plays like it's a sin to let somebody <laughs> score a point. Alabama comes prime. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. Once again, a legend. And even though he hasn't been in the booth for a while, he will sorely be missed. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family friends and send emails by emailing foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. You get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Fop podcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. Our next podcast, gonna shoot for Friday, 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 the 19th of January, year of our Lord, 2018. And then it'll be sketchy after that. I got Saturday duty that week. Um, probably be shooting, uh, for the next Saturday which is the 27th because my work schedule is going to be kind of squirrely and my wife will be on the road. So we're going to shoot for that Friday one and then we'll go a whole other week. Once again, going to try to get some better subjects. This back-to-back podcast kind of ran out of material, so I hit some things on it um, that I, I was interested in. I hope it was interesting to you. Um, with the next round of snow coming to those in areas that are used to snow, considering our roads are still trashed here. Everybody be safe out there. we got another week of super cold air. Uh, and then I think in the Midwest, down to the south. We're going back to normal weather by next weekend. Should be in the 60s, which will be freaking nice for a while, because i got to be quite honest. Tomorrow morning, high of zero here with a, or excuse me, low of zero, a high of 14 for the day. That's crazy for Southern Kentucky, Northern Tennessee. That's, that's some serious freaking cold. So say, stay safe out there. As always, as I end this show, I say it every time. 
I'll say it until I stop doing the podcast. Disconnect from your shit. Put your phones down. Spend time with your family and those you love. Life is a short, short journey. You're sure going to miss it when it's over. And Let as always, the thanks for Let listening, the friends, the and take Let care. The